I'm going to read out of the book of Habakkuk. Time you find it in the Bible, I've already read it, so don't find it because you'll have trouble looking for it. It's in the Old Testament. And what it says in the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, it says, I will stand my watch and I will set myself on a rampart and I will watch and see what God will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. I like that. He's waiting for God to bring him an answer and be corrected because he has the wrong vision. He needs direction. And so the prophet is saying, I'm waiting for God to answer when I'm corrected. And the Lord answered. Don't, aren't you glad God answers? And the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that they may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. At the end of it, it will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not delay. I want to speak to you this morning on writing the vision. What I'm saying to you today is when you write down in faith believing what you want God to do for your family, your home, your health, and your emotions, God will put it into existence because of the faith that you speak it and write it in, in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you today for your word. Let every word that I say fall, but every word that comes forth from you, let it help us and change us forever. In Jesus' name, and all God's men and women said... Amen. You could be seated, but turn to your neighbor on the left, say you've lost weight, and turn to the one on the right and say, maybe. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. You look thinner from here. Here. Let, let me see. Don't, don't do anything else. But I think this is important. Can we give Pastor Ty on a great big round of applause? Thank you, Pastor Ty. Thank you, worship team. Tonight... Five o'clock, the cafe's open. We got wonderful refreshments, food for you, fellowship. I want you to come and hang out with us because many times you leave so quickly, like you got somewhere to go. I don't know where you go. You live in Stockton. I don't know what's up. I don't know where you think you're going. But you leave so quickly after services sometimes and you don't get to hang out with us. And then sometimes, you know, I'm exiting out because me hungry. So I, you know, I, I need some time with you. So tonight I want to hang out with you, Jennifer and I, and we want you to be here at five. The door's open. Open, the cafe's open, and then 6 o'clock is a magnificent service that we're asking God to just overwhelm us with overflow. You do not want to miss tonight at 6 o'clock. Get here at 5, get here early, bring a friend, bring an enemy, bring somebody, because it'll be a fantastic, fantastic experience of what God's going to do in our life. How many of you are coming? Oh my gosh, that is so sad. I, 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 Rick's the only one clapping. How many of you are coming? Oh, that's better. God heard your clap. He heard your yell. He doesn't want to have to chastise you, so you need to be here tonight. No, I'm teasing. You need to be here tonight. It'll be a wonderful thing for you. How many of you know that in life, it's not about born to lose. It's really about born to choose. In life, you're going to have lots of acquaintances in life, but you're going to have a few good friends. You know, you can choose this day what you want to decide, but how many of you know if you choose wrong, you're going to reap the consequences of what you've chose? So you're not born to lose, you're born to choose. And in life, you're going to have lots of acquaintances, but you're, you're going to have very few good friends. As a matter of fact, if you can get to the end of the life and count your friends on one hand, you've lived a pretty successful life. But so often when we, get through, uh, when we get to a new year, a new beginning, we often think, man, I'm going to do things different. And then we find ourselves drifting, 
drifting off, kind of doing the same old thing, kind of doing the mundane day to day. And we find ourselves living kind of beneath, like Jennifer said, kind of beneath our dreams and beneath our hopes. And we want so much for adventure. We want so much for something to accomplish. That's why I tell people, you need to be here every time the church doors is open because you never know what God can do in atmospheres of faith and expectancy. But so often we do the opposite. When things get tough, we run away from our destiny instead of digging in and writing down and speaking a faith proclamation of what God wants us to do. Do you know God writes down what he wants to make happen? Some of you have never been told that, but it's a very biblical principle. As a matter of fact, he wrote down on a stone on the tablets in Mount Sinai. He wrote down through the hand of Moses. Remember, that was the second article of writing. But the first one, God wrote it. And God wrote the first one on a stone on the tablet on Mount Sinai. They were ten commandments. They were not ten recommendations. They were not ten suggestions. What God was establishing, a culture. A culture of civil and moral and spiritual law that that would govern any society, any individual, anybody, or any continent that would dare follow after God's ways. And if you followed after God's ways, wherever that civil law, moral law, spiritual laws, wherever they came into play, what would happen, freedom would come. Liberty would come. Joy would come. There would be a governance how to live in a free and a society where the Spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. What's the point? God wrote that down so it could become a reality. If you don't doubt that, then look at a society. It's measured by the things in which they focus less on or focus more on. In other words, look at society today. What they focus on is what they become. What you and I behold is what we will become. Do you know for thousands of years, God used people like you and I to write his words, to write them down. In those days, he used Jewish hands. Those hands of the Jewish people were God sculpturing the life and destiny of mankind. And he did it through a society of people called the Jewish people. And it would sculpture the destiny and we would know that destiny as the word of God. Do you know every Bible, uh, every scripture written in the Bible was written by Jewish hands. Many of you don't know that. You think John was a Baptist. John was not a Baptist. John was Jewish. Not only was John Jewish, but Matthew was Jewish. You know, Jesus was Jewish. He didn't have a three-piece suit on. Jesus was Jewish. He followed the law of Moses. He didn't come to abolish the law. He came to fulfill it. Every word was written by this group of people. Why? Because that group of people had a special connection, a covenant with God. And God said, through this race of people, I'm going to inspire my words through them. And these words are going to be life. These words are going to be meat. These words will be milk. These words will be honey a rock. These words will be a lamp unto thy feet and a light unto thy path. These words will bring life and freedom and liberty to anyone who would dare believe that word to be their very own. You need to know that word. You read it to be wise. You practice it to be saved. You study his word to be more like him. You believe it so you can become like the son of God. You need to know what's in this book. Do you know there was a disciple by the name of John and John was away from his 
family. He was away from his church in Jerusalem. John had been put away on an island called Patmos. And on this island, John gets this revelation of Jesus. He sees Jesus, not as a suffering Savior hanging on a cross, but he sees Jesus high and lifted up. And God tells John, write down what you're hearing and seeing and put it in a book. That book is called Revelation. That book is a victorious book. It's not just about the ten toes and the ten horns of a dictator. It's not about that at all. It's really a book celebrating victory that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Celebrating victory of light conquering darkness. Victory over Jesus Christ crushing the Antichrist. It's victory over this world, this enemy, and all things that would come against us. I'm telling you that because I've read the end of this book. Guess what? We win. We win. We win. That's why it's so important. In Exodus 17, there's a story. I'm talking about writing things down. And in the story of Exodus 17, Israel is coming to a brink of war. Moses and the children of Israel have just left Egypt's bondage. They were slaves for hundreds and hundreds of years. And they've just left Egypt's bondage. And they're heading to the land of more than enough. But in that land of going to more than enough, they were attacked when they were in the state of just enough. They were wanting to get to their dream, their, their land flowing with milk and honey, and they were attacked. Just like so many people, they've got this great thing God's put in their heart to do. They're, they've got these hopes, they've got these dreams for their family, their business, their personal life, their individual life, their family's life, and then they get attacked. And so often when we get attacked, instead of marching forward, we shrink back. Israel got attacked. They're going to this land of more than enough, what God has told them, because God said, write it down, and now they've been attacked by Amalek. Amalek is the descendants of Esau. How many of you have ever heard that name Esau before? Do you know that it's supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau? But Esau did something in the Bible, and it tells us what happened to Esau. Esau had a great promise, a promise of, of, of an absolute uh, generational blessing upon him. But Esau sold his birthright because he was in a place of just enough. He was hungry. And he was so hungry that when his little brother Jacob came along with the big bowl of beans and machicata, he had it all hooked up and it was, he had the aroma. And Jacob said, doesn't that smell good? Esau, and Esau was so hungry. His, his, his stomach was so growling. Esau gave up his birthright for a bowl of beans. He threw his gift away to the next generation. It was supposed to be the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But Esau represents something that we must realize today. He represents the flesh. He represents our own wants, our own desires, our own timing. Esau represents immediate gratification. The flesh always wars against the spirit. Don't you know, friend? The spirit always wars against the flesh. Moses said to Joshua, choose out men of Israel that they can fight tomorrow. Because I'm going to stand on the top of the hill with my rod in my hand. This ordinary rod that God gave Moses was just a stick on the ground until he put it in God's hands. And when he put that stick in God's hands, God said, that stick is going to be powerful. 
that stick is going to be supernatural. And so Moses has this ordinary stick that once was just a lifeless stick, but because he put it in the right hands and he put it in God's hands, God said, lift that stick up. And the moment you lift that stick up, Israel's going to win this war against Esau, his descendants, the flesh. But the moment Moses' hands were tired and they became down because of weariness, they began to lose the war. What's the point in that battle? And what's the point in your battle? The victory that you're wanting, the victory you're believing for to get from not enough to more than enough is fought through prayer. When you begin to talk to God, believe God, speak the word of God out, the victory comes your way. It goes from not enough to more than enough. From not having it to getting your heart's desire. From maybe being battle weary and fatigued to being an overcomer through Him that strengthens you. Can you put your hands together and thank God for His amazing grace today? I think that's so important because the story ends in Exodus 17 after this great conflict. God tells Moses, write this down. Write this down as a memorial. Had it been followed, this message to Israel, God's chosen people, it would have changed the course of history forever. Exodus 17, verse 14, the Bible says it this way. The Lord said unto Moses, write this for a memorial in a book and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will be utterly put out of remembrance Amalek from under heaven. I will be at war with them from generation to generation until I exterminate every person related to him on the face of the earth. Why? Because they were trying to kill the Jewish people. Had they listened to God's instructions, you would have never had anti-Semitism. You ever heard of anti-Semitism? That's the hatred of the Jewish race. That's the hatred of Jewish people because they're Jewish. No other reason other than Jewish. They may camouflage it by saying it's because of money, it's because of power, it's because of this, it's because of that. No, it's because of God. It's because of God. Anti-Semitism has reared its ugly head, not because it's the 21st century or World War II in the 1930s and 40s. It's because God told Moses, write this down. Because they have come against your people, they've come against me because I belong to you and you belong to me. Can't you see God taking your enemies that you think that are going to defeat you, that are going to overwhelm you, and thrashing them, taking over them, and calling Causing victory to come your way. You say, well, I can't see that. Then you need to write it down. Had they listened to God's instructions, that evil, demonic, anti-Semitic seed would have been wiped out and cast out. Fast forward 900 years. I'm giving you a history test lesson. Five, uh, 900 years later, the king of Israel is a man by the name of Saul. That evil seed of Esau representing the flesh rears its ugly head back again. And God tells the king, wipe them out. Don't leave anybody. Wipe out the cattle. Wipe them all out. And he didn't. As a matter of fact, he kept the king of the Amalekites, which is the descendant of Esau. Saul disobeyed. Many people lost their lives. What's the point? Listen to me. When you and I write it down, what we scripturally are wanting God to do, it releases something called faith. Faith is the currency of heaven. It's the rhythm of God. If you want to get in the stream and the rhythm of God, then you live by faith. Do you know every one of you right now at the sound of my voice and watching have a measure of faith? 
a measure of faith. You wouldn't be here today. You wouldn't be watching today if you didn't have a measure of this rhythm called faith. It's a rhythm of revival where God revives our life to believe him at his word. That's what you do when you write down faith and proclamations or speak faith and speak proclamations. You're releasing currency. You're releasing faith. If you want to look at it a simple way, what you're doing, you're making a faith proclamation by writing it down. That's what God does. That's why he told Moses and Joshua, write that down. I want them to remember it. Write it down. That's why he told the Jewish authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Apostle Paul, write it down. I want this to be a remembrance. Now, let's look at it. what happens. The moment you start writing stuff down, the moment you start taking faith and currency of that faith, and you start writing down what you believe in God for your health, your home, your emotions, your family, your life, your ministry, what begins to happen? Fear starts knocking at the door of your soul and starts to say things like, mm, you're thinking way too big here. Fear starts to say, be reasonable. Now that's impossible. You can't get out of debt. You can't get a good godly relationship. There's other men, they all hurt you. A new man that claims to know Jesus, he's going to hurt you the same way. You need to know that when you start doing that, Esau comes knocking at the door. Your own flesh, your own emotions, your own understanding. Be reasonable. Now that's impossible. Another voice will say, hey, you're not worthy of that. You, you can't graduate college. You can't start that business. You can't start that ministry. Why do you ask? Because if you ask for it and you believe for it and you get let down, you're going to be discouraged the rest of your life. Why do you keep going through the same old thing, meandering around, going through the same old stuff? Because you keep doing the same old thing and not releasing currency of what God can do. Can I tell you today, when fear knocks at the door, send faith to answer. No one will be there. So when fear starts to come against you and your own Esau ways of the flesh start to come against you, start speaking in faith. I'm a child of God. I'm royalty. I'm a king. I'm a queen. Right now, faith responds, I am accepted. I'm sanctified. I'm preferred. I'm purified. Angels have gone before me. They go behind me. I have the authenticity of Jesus' blood. I have the authenticity of His name. I have the currency of His word. Whatever He says I can do, I can do it. I have the word of faith in my mouth. I have the Bible that says I can do what this says, and I can leave that alone, and I can be an overcomer here, and I can be victorious there. Whatever you you set out to do, you can do it because God is with you and everything's going to be all right. You see, that's starting to stir up that currency. See, what's happening is I'm stirring up your faith right now. I'm stirring up the currency right now that God wants you to live by. Now, let me ask you a question. What would you attempt to do for God if you knew you could not fail? If failure was an impossibility, would you start a city center? Would you start something like that? Would you start to do things you said that would be impossible? I remember getting that city center, a 30,000 square feet dilapidated building that needed millions of dollars of, of, of resources and it needed lots of people to help. And I had people say, I mean, you're never going to accomplish that, Joey. I had, a, I had a, a legitimate businessman here in this community. I brought him the plans and I told him all the vision I wanted to do. And I said, I don't really have money, but God's going to provide it. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Joey, you need to sell it and walk away. And I remember thinking, does he know more than me? And then I thought, no, God has told me, press on, press on, press on. 
And sometimes when you got a dream and a vision, not everybody accepts it. Not everybody believes you when you say, God said to me, God told me. That's why you don't want to be around dream killers. People that always will push you down. People that tell you, you never will. You can't, you won't. You'll never accomplish that. What would you do for God if you knew you couldn't fail? If failure wasn't an option, write it down. I've written down in my Bible, this is my older one. I've written down many faith proclamations. Here's one. I've got many from decades past. And what these are, things that have come to pass and things that haven't come to pass yet. But I can tell you by the word of God, by the severity of what I'm saying and the significance of what I'm sharing, they will. They will. Not because of my strength. Not because of my abilities. Not because I've said it. Because the word of God declared it. I wrote it out and I believe it. Case closed. Case closed. You have to realize that. What would you attempt to do? Write it down. And after you write it down, believe God for it. It's not you doing it. If you're doing it, you just had a, too much onions on your hamburger. You just woke up and you just had a crazy dream. You know, I woke up the other day. I woke up and I literally thought, man, I was telling my friend my dream. And I said, oh, I had a dream last night. It was so strange. I just couldn't believe this dream. I woke up on my dream. I was like sleeping and I woke up, but I was still dreaming. And, and, I, and I had this dream that I was a muffler of a car. Like I was sputtering out stuff and I was like a muffler. And then I woke up exhausted. I'm sorry. Sorry, I was corny. You know what? I'm just a cornball full of baldness. But listen, your life has unlimited possibilities. Your life has unlimited possibilities. I believe this book cover from cover. And I believe it from cover to cover because I believe every word in it is written by God. It's all breathed by Him. I don't just pick and choose what I want. I don't have a cafeteria type of Christianity or a kind of cafeteria or a, or a picking and choosing type of gospel. I like this, but I don't like that. This is no cafeteria, son. It's all of it or nothing. Taste and see that the Lord is good. I think that's important. But here's the thing. There's a difference in life between believing and receiving. Listen to me, because you have to know there's a world of difference. All of you at the sound of my voice, I think you're here because you believe God can do something. You believe God. You may not have your own set of beliefs yet because you don't have to believe to come here. Oasis Church doesn't exist for you to believe then you come here. I want you to come here, and I don't care if you believe yet or not. You just watch and see, listen, and, and, and get around the people, and you'll, you'll start to bear out your own fruit and have your own set of beliefs with it. So I, I don't, it doesn't matter that to me, but, it, but it, there's a difference between believing and receiving. Because I think all of you pretty much believe, but I don't think all of you believe that God can do it for you. I think you believe he can do it for others. Joey, he can do it for you. I've seen that, Jim. I've seen what you've done here at the church and even in the interim spot, how you turned it around in three months. You know, we built this in three months. We built this. It was a dilapidated building, and we built it. You would think I was a construction worker. I had my construction boots on, but we built this in three months to make it look like this excellent facility. This did not look like this. This was thrash. This was horrible. And in through perseverance and, and, and asking God, how do you want it to look? We built this in a few months as a resting spot for our next journey. What's my point? My point is there's a difference between believing and receiving. I think you all believe, but how about receiving? 
How about receiving as I'm ministering, even right now, health in your body? How about receiving right now as I'm talking to you, prosperity to run over you like a Mack truck? How about receiving over you mental security and peace over the anguish and anxiety that you came in here with? How about receiving right now a spirit of peace over that spirit of fear? How about receiving right now health and wholeness from generation to generation? Why not receive it right now? You're saying, well, I'm waiting for a day. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and receive it right now in Jesus' name. As we get ready to close our time, that's something that's so important. How many of you have ever prayed for something and it just didn't happen in the next 30 minutes? You ever done that? Man, I've been like wired up for faith and I'm like, God, I know you're going to answer. And then like 30 minutes goes by. What happened, God? I thought you said, God, how come you didn't give me houses I didn't build, vineyards I didn't plant, and wells I didn't dig before I got out this door? How come you didn't bring me this and let go of that? How come you didn't bind this and loose that? Woman, thou art loose! What happened, God? Because sometimes by faith, God's wanting you to see future. God wants you to see results. God's a result-driven God. He wants you to see results. He's not process-driven. He's result-driven. And that's a difference, right? When you're a visionary, you start to see results. You see what can happen. You see what could come to pass. You see the miracles that could happen. That's a results-driven person. That's how God is, I believe. You see, by faith, God can help you see the future. I think this is important because sight, your natural sight, has to do with what you see. But vision has to do with what you can be. Sight has to do with what you see, but vision has to do with what can be. You see, some of you need to just really dig down this year. It's not over. January's not over yet. And get God's vision for your life. And then after you get God's vision for your life, what is it? It always will help somebody else. You say, well, Joseph had a dream, but while he was in the pit, he helped the butler. He helped the baker. He served somebody else before his dream came to pass. And you have to realize that because you get God's dream, then you got to focus on that. You give that vision focus. And after you give it focus, then you go public with it. And when you go public with it, you know that God's brought it to pass. And it's not in your own strength, it's in God's strength. Do you know an eagle sees 10 times greater than a human being's eyes? And do you also know that eagles rise higher than any other bird in the kingdom of animals? I don't even know what there's a name for it, but any other animal kingdom of birds, eagles fly higher. And Jennifer's laughing at me. I don't know the term, but they fly higher. They see 10 times greater. Why do you think God says, I want you to mount up on wings of what? I want you to see vision. I want you to see what I see. I don't want you to look at the process. You're not going to figure out the process because chapter 1 may go to chapter 10 and then I might take you back to chapter 5 and then I'm going to take you to chapter 20 and then I'm going to take you to, to the end of the book and you're going to be victorious. My ways are not your ways. My thoughts are not your thoughts. So you can't get hooked on the process. You can't get hooked on, well, if I do this, then I'll do that. See, some of you, you don't have eyes of the eagle. you got the eyes of a chicken. Pluck, 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 pluck. Jennifer and Joey's asking me to tie. Pluck, 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 pluck. Let me ask my wife. Pluck, 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 pluck. 
I can't give because I don't have any money. You filthy chicken. I can't get healthy because I've done all these bad things. Pluck, 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 pluck. You're a chicken. You're plucking around with chickens. And then what you don't realize, now you've generated other chickens around you. And that's where I just kind of, if you ever notice, if you've been around us long enough, there's just sometimes I just shake myself off because I've got sometimes some, some cluckers around me. And I say, I can't be around any cluckers. I've got to be around eagles that can rise higher, see greater, and understand that it's not about a process. It's about a result that God at the end of it wants results. That's why, friends, listen, this is very important, especially for your religion upbringing. God wants to be measured. Taste and see that the Lord is good. In other words, God says, this is tangible. You may not understand process because my ways are not your ways. But when I get on the scene and when I do my work, it'll be tangible. It'll be measurable. And you will know, taste and see that the Lord is good. Hallelujah. So what do you see? God's looking for a people who will give him the opportunity to demonstrate his power unto them. That's what he's looking for. Stockton doesn't need another church with a bunch of religious nonsense happening, with a bunch of religious nuts walking around thinking they're God's gift to mankind. God's looking for a people who will believe him at his word and operate in that word and believe that the process is up to him, that the results are God's and God's alone. By faith, the Bible says Joseph, when he died, he made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and he gave command concerning his bones he had the faith to see the future he had the faith to see his family not living in captivity not slaves to Satan not slaves to Pharaoh not slaves to poverty no longer in bondage he said when you leave here he knew the day was coming when you leave here he said take my bones with you I see freedom I see the wealth of Egypt be put in those ox carts I see the Lord coming through I see a land of milk and honey I see the God of the universe verse coming to my defense because he is mine and I am his I like that so here's the thing I want you today to see the Lord coming into your life maybe I'm here my family and I to show you there's a difference between others and to show you a difference between religion and encounters because I want you to see the Lord coming into your life I want you to see and I want you to be willing to see what God sees and say, God, let me get the eyes of an eagle and start to write it down. And God says, I'm willing to do it if you ask in faith. What do you see in the future? I don't want you to look through the eyes of fear. Stockton will lock you up with fear. I don't want you to look through the eyes of Esau. Some of you are as fleshly as any ungodly thing could possibly be. Some of you are living right now, flesh after flesh after flesh. You're one bad day from falling the victim of flesh mentality. And the flesh is never satisfied. Sin is never satisfied. As a matter of fact, it's crouching at the door. So I don't want you to look through the eyes of fear. I don't want you to look through the eyes of Esau, your own flesh. Because some of you are all jacked up. Believe me, I see you. I hear you. You're all about a messed up bag of you know what. Some of you get that on the drive home. So you can't look through the eyes of fear. You can't look through the eyes of the flesh. You have to look through the eyes of the eagle and the eyes of faith. What is God saying to me? 
What's God saying to my family? What's God saying to my home? What's God saying to my health? What has God said about my marriage? See the future. I don't want you to look through the eyes of your own understanding. You don't understand the process. You can't understand it because God's ways are not your ways. I want you to see health in the place of sickness. I want you to see long life in the place of sudden death. I cancel the assignment of Satan over some of you that think you're going to die suddenly. I want you to see prosperity in the place of never having enough to make ends meet and never getting around to a place of prosperity. I want you to see a new dawn in your life springing forth hope and prosperity out of darkness and despair. I want you to see God restoring to you sevenfold what Satan has come and taken from you. I want you to see depression being crushed and joy like a tsunami coming to fill your soul. Joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. I want you to see the walls of resistance crumble before the mighty hand of the Father. I want you to see God doing something that only He could do, making the crooked places straight. I want you to see God taking your enemies you don't even realize you have and scattering them like debris in a tornado. I want you to see mountains of impossibilities being crushed and cast into the sea. I want you to see what God has for your future. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible to Him that believes.